Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and give my podcast five stars. Also, follow me on all of my social media platforms. The Gratitude Chick for both Instagram and Facebook, Gratitude underscore Chick for Twitter, and on TikTok, Babes Who Manifest. Also, for all of my reading babes, check out the new reading merch on the website, www.bwmmerch.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to your weekly devotional with the Gratitude Chick. As promised, this is your bonus episode for me not posting last week. So the one that you guys heard yesterday should have been posted last week, and today's should have been posted yesterday. So next week, we'll be back on track. So now... We, as you guys know, we left off yesterday at 1 Samuel chapter number 18. So today we are starting with 1 Samuel 19. And again, I am reading from the New King James Version. And I also offer my own commentary just um, just to catch you up if you're just now, you know, if this is your first episode you're tuning into. We um, started at chapter one. So go back and, and, you know, double back and look at chapter one and our purpose is to read the backstory of how King David became king and we're going to be reading further to find out who this fallible man of God is that did so much sinning but still was a man after God's own heart. So that is my goal because all of us are sinful. The Bible says we were born in shin, shin. We were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. So as a result of that, we're all sinners. But there is a particular, um, I think, difference in not only David, King David, but also Abraham. Abraham was known as the friend of God. And his blessing was what? Israel. He is the father of Israel, right? And then you have King David who, you know, killed a man to take his wife and I don't I don't want to I don't want to give it away if you have never heard the story of King David. So he did a lot that he should not have done, but he was still known as a man after God's own heart, which we've already read um Samuel say in past chapters. So that is my goal to figure out and to show you guys how a fallible person like David. So many people read his story and say, well, God must be okay with um, polygamy because look at how many wives he had. That's because he sinned. <laughs> what do you mean? So um, the goal here is not to to harp on his sins, but to see that despite his sins why like what was it that made him a man after God's own heart I have my own opinion and beliefs but let's see if we can figure it out as we read so sorry that was a long (laughs) a long thing to say okay 
So, chapter 19, verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. And as you remember in uh, yesterday's episode, it talked a couple times about how David and Jonathan like had a soul tie. Jonathan felt like David was his... Um, part of his soul or something like that I forget the current you know the exact words but they had a really close like brotherly connection and now Saul wants Jonathan to kill David so Jonathan told David saying my father Saul seeks to kill you therefore please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are and I will speak with my father about you Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul his father and said to him, Let not the king sin against the servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence. And he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. So it looks like um, Saul knows, but is not conscious of the fact that, number one, he really is no longer king, okay? Because David has been anointed. Secondly, he hasn't realized that his anointing from God is gone, And third, he has not realized that David is to take his place. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, and you guys remember, Michael is the second daughter of, and I'm probably, you know, mispronouncing it, it might be Michelle, um, is the second daughter of Saul. And and I'm going to call her Michelle. And Michelle, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michelle let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michelle took an image and laid it in the bed and put a cover of goat's hair for his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, He is sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, Bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. Now, see, he had already sworn by the Lord and said David would not be killed. So again, Saul has shown that he is a liar. He is not trustworthy and he is disloyal to the Lord. 
And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with the cover of goat's hair for his head. Then Saul said to Michelle, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michelle answered Saul, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. Now it was told Saul saying, take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, then the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great wall that is at Sachu. So he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are at Naoth in Ramah. So he went there to Naoth in Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was out upon him also, and he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? So Saul is really having a bad time. His jealousy, his jealousy is really just preventing him from doing the job God gave him. Even though God took away his anointing, um, you know, to me, God sees all things. So, of course, he saw the fact that Saul was going to go insane. So I don't really think it was a matter of giving Saul a second chance because look at how Saul has kind of, you know, failed so hard because of his jealousy of David. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, indeed, tomorrow is the new moon and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day of evening. Now, um, a lot of people have a lot to say because I it's not a belief that I have in the new moon or in the moon phases, but I do believe the new moon and the full moon bring with it with it extra energy. So I am often, you know, telling people to do, you know, forgiveness, you know, do all these kind of things during that time, just simply because there's so much energy there that um, it, it, it to me it's easier to do it during the time when there's so much energy, and as you can see. The new moon is talked about in the Bible. It is an observation 
that they celebrate. Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, is what he said. And I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. And why is it the third day? Because uh, the moon phases when it's in the full moon and the new moon. It lasts for three to four days. If your father misses me at all, then say, David, earnestly ask permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. So David is giving um, Jonathan the details of a test to make on his father because David believes that Saul is leaving Jonathan out of the details of killing David because Jonathan and David have a bond. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself, for why should I bring, why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, Far be it from you, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Then who will tell me, or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good toward David, and I I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. And the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And you shouldn't, that's, don't, don't do that to me. <laughs> and you, hold on. And you shall, cause, cause at the end of the day, well, I'm gonna just keep going. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Hmm. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed, and remain by the stone Ezel. Then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target, and there I will send a lad saying, Go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, Look, the arrows are on this side of you, get them and come. Then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, Look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed, the Lord be between you and me forever. Then David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. 
Now the king sat on his seat and as at other times on the seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that, that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He is unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's at place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. <clears throat> then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Oh my. That's, that's, uh, okay. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. Saul is so insane at this moment because he's now, I think he's now experiencing the loss of his kingdom. Because he mentioned that as long as David is alive, his son will not be king, right? So now he's trying to kill his son too. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month. For he was aggrieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad was with him. Then he said to his lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow behind him. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? <clears throat> and John cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, Go carry them to the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his knee, face to the ground, and bowed down three times, and they kissed one another. And they wept together, but David more so. Hmm. You know, I think we live in... In such times that when I read this story in my youth, I never even would have thought of anything untoward about their relationship. But because carnality reigns, it's making me think that there was something untoward. And it should not be. That's why the Bible says the carnal mind is enmity between us and God. Lord, forgive me. <clears throat> then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, 
May the Lord be between you and me and between our descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. Okay, so now we're going to read 1 Samuel 21. Now David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? So David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has ordered me on some business and said to me, Do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread and in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have at least kept themselves from women. Then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly women have been kept from us about three days since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread which had been taken from before the Lord, in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. See, this is this is why sometimes when you read the Bible, it's kind of convoluted, because the the double speak of this of these translations are are insane. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord. And his name was Dueg, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or a sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth, a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate, and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? What? <laughs> Is anybody reading this like a novel? Because I am. Literally, I am. Okay. This is our last chapter. It is 1 Samuel chapter 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adulam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him and everyone who was in distress Everyone who was in debt and everyone who was disconnected gathered to him. I'm sorry, discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them and there were about 400 men with him. 
Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet God said to David, No, now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah, with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? <clears throat> all of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse, and there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Um, Jonathan didn't do this. You did this, sir. He's now become delusional. Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So the king sent to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, in all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob. And they all came to the king, and Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day? So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law who, who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all of this, little or much. And the king said, you shall surely die. So you're going to kill the priest. Because David, in essence, lied to the priest to get help. Because remember, the priest asked him, what are you doing here by yourself? <coughs> and he said, he came to do Saul's bidding. So the priest, in turn, gave him food to eat, gave him a sword, and inquired to God on his behalf. The priest is without blemish. It is not his fault that David lied, right? But Saul is going mad. <laughs> so now he has decided, I'm going to kill the priest because the priest unknowingly helped, I guess, unknowingly helped David against Saul. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, turn and kill the priest of the Lord because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And you better not. 
And the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priest. <clears throat> so Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priest and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob the city of the priest, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women and children and nursing infants, oxen and donkey and sheep with the edge of the sword. So he just said, I'm killing everybody. Now, one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Atub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. Okay, so I'm going to end here. Um, I'm trying not to do more than four chapters per episode. But um, what we learned in these four chapters is that Saul is crazy, insane with jealousy of, of David. I think subconsciously he feels his kingdom slipping from him going to David because he also, I, I don't think it's conscious right at this moment that he realized that, <clears throat> excuse me, God has taken away his anointing. I don't think he has realized it. And I think that his actions for some reason has not clued him in that he is no longer anointed by God because now he's killing priests and he's just doing too much. And he is being led by an extreme case of jealousy against David when all of his actions, his own actions, have led him to the place that he's in. So I am, I don't know about you, but this is reading really like a novel to me. (laughs) So um, although, yes, this is a devotional, it is reading like a novel to me because it is just... It's crazy to read how much jealousy can drive someone in their life to make poor choices, not only against the person that they're jealous of, but against themselves. You know, everything that he's done is harming himself, not just trying to harm David. And he hasn't even realized yet that God is protecting David. Yes, one of his protectors is Jonathan, but ultimately God is protecting David because God has chosen David as the next king. And what I want to know is how does David feel, you know, having fought for Saul and loved Saul, how does he feel knowing that his, his best friend's father now hates him so much that he wants to take his life? Like, I really want to know how David felt running all over the land trying to hide from Saul. It's crazy. Okay, so we will pick this back up next week with 1 Samuel chapter number 23. Um, I hope that you guys are excited to read about this as I am because it really is exciting to me. I hope you guys are learning from this because it's not, my goal is not to preach the word 
or even teach the word. It's really for you guys to listen and to get an understanding of what is actually going on. See through the line, see behind everything to see what's going on. Yes, I want you guys to get that David has lied. I want you to get that David is a sinner because the purpose is to understand why he was a man after God's own heart. That is what I'm seeking. So again, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, a.k.a. The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe to me on YouTube at The Gratitude Chick. Make sure to click in my description box for the link to paid surveys, manifesting merchandise, and much more.